good to see you and hope you have had a uh, good uh, good week and things are, are good with you and, and uh, had a good day today and he woke up didn't he? Everybody's gone left me. I want to uh, acknowledge Miss uh, probably wouldn't want me to do this, Miss Sharon, uh, back there in the back, she's been printing these off for me, uh, when I can get them to her, uh, I, my, my email abilities are not very good sometimes, and I, uh, sometimes I send it, I don't know where it goes, it goes somewhere, but, uh, out into cyberspace, I guess, but uh, like last night, I sent that to her last night, and she, I didn't get it. And I'm like, well, it said it sent. So it went somewhere. I don't know where it went. Uh, it may have went to somebody, and they got a lesson on the power of conscience. <laughs> uh, they wouldn't expect it. Uh, but anyway, we finally got that, and she's been printing those for me, and I appreciate that and uh, help with that. And she, she brings them, and... Uh, has them ready for me. So this tonight will actually be our last lesson uh, in this quarter concerning uh, in the book of John. We'll start a new study, um, hopefully, Lord's willing, next week. Uh, really hadn't made my mind up really where I want to go. Uh, there's several things that I know we're going to be in the Thessalonian letters on Sunday morning. I thought about uh, some topics that I want to been wanting to. Right, thank you, sir. Uh, been wanting to have some studies on, maybe some morality things, um, those types of things that's facing the church, um, and and we as individuals, maybe something along those lines. Um, so that's going to be our next study. Um, whatever I decide on that, and I'll try to try to get that information to you. I'll try to have something decided by Sunday uh, is what I'm hoping to do. Um, so anyway, uh, we'll be looking at but tonight will be our last study. And I know in this study we did not uh, hit every chapter and everything in the book of uh, John. And that was my intention uh, is to kind of bounce around with different topics and different things uh, in the book of John. So um, I can keep up with that and remember where I put it. We'll go back and get the other part of it uh, the next go around. So uh, that's kind of where we are uh, with those things. Tonight in John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11, we've entitled it The Power of Conscience. Uh, think about conscience. What is that? Your conscience. We often view it as what? Little, little devil over here, little angel over here, and the little devil saying, go ahead and do it. Go ahead and say it. Go ahead and be a part of it. Go ahead and do it. Little angel over here going, no, don't do that. You know it's wrong. Don't do that. And, and they battle back and forth. Sometimes we see it depicted that way, don't we, uh, as our conscience. But what is our conscience? What do you think? What, do you, what can you throw out tonight? Class, about that. What is heart? 
would you describe it? The inner, somebody said something. The inner force? Oh, voice. Okay. Oh, I was thinking Star Wars. Um, the inner voice. Um, so when we think about that, and, and when our conscience, we've had this discussion before, uh, is, is your conscience always a safeguard? No. And that's the key. That's where we, if your conscience has been trained to be. Well, what do we mean when we say that? Training our conscience. Do what? Knowing what's biblically right. What trains our conscience? Reading and studying. What we're... Yeah. Guidance from our parents. Exactly. If, if a child's not um, taught when they're young to develop that conscience of right and wrong, I have done something wrong, or that's right, that's wrong, that's appropriate and not appropriate, that conscience doesn't develop like it should, and what do we see when they get older? They don't have one. They, they go about... Yeah, yeah, they do whatever they want to without even thought about it. So, you know, you think about today's world. What are we seeing a lot of? People doing whatever they want to do and don't think nothing about it. So I think, you know, we could say their conscience, but that's not the aim of the lesson tonight. The Lord is going gonna to provoke the conscience of these scribes and Pharisees. And he's going to do it very subtly. Uh, as you see in an introduction uh, in your outline, uh, the Feast of Tabernacles is over, but he didn't leave Jerusalem. Uh, he stayed around. Uh, the next morning, he comes to the temple, begins to teach again. Uh, he's confronted by these Pharisees and scribes. They had actually set up what? A test or a trap. They, you know, remember, they already hated him. They were trying to get rid of him. It wasn't the time to kill him yet. Well, the time wasn't right. So they were doing everything they could to embarrass him, doing everything they could to discredit him. Uh, so he's doing what he normally does, teaching and, and those things. Uh, but they're using, what are they going to use here in this passage? I know you've had time to read it, 8, 1 through 11. What are they going to use here? Or who? Yeah, adulterous woman, aren't they? Yeah. And this incident clearly shows the kind of hearts these religious leaders had. They were willing at the expense of someone else to trap him, test him, discredit him, and to do all sorts of harm to him by using the expense of another woman and her issues and problems and this, that, and that. Now, they had some holes in this, in this though. They had some problems with this. Um, the first uh, section there um, in the outline in the discussion, in verses 3 through 6, an adulterous woman is brought to Jesus to be judged. Uh, 
says that she was taken in the very act of adultery. Now, we talk about, we often, we've heard about states about adultery and fornication. What's the differences between anybody? Okay. Uh, our Lord uses it and teaches about adultery being with a married person and that fornication being committed and which makes it adultery between two married people and those types of things. Fornication, what? Yeah, single person, uh, sexual acts. Now I'm going to tell you one thing we're seeing in the world today is, is they're trying to take the scripture concerning marriage and divorce and remarriage and they're trying to say, they're trying to say any little thing to justify any, any little thing is fornication to justify them to be able to remarry. And, and that's one thing we're seeing across the, the brotherhood and this, that, and another. Uh, but I think it's important that we define that and know what that is. Uh, because our, our society is filled with fornication things. I mean, just sexual things everywhere. Everywhere you look. Um, you can't watch a commercial. Uh, most TV shows have got fornication going on because what happened? You always got people who are what? Living together, sleeping together. Uh, you know, and so uh, again, it's, it's always, it's a big thing. Um, but again, uh, all kinds of sexual uncleanness, fornication, uh, more specific reference to a married person with the adultery having sexual relations with another person, not their mate. Uh, Jesus used adultery in this sense of two people who are married, but their marriage was not acceptable in the sight of God. Uh, there's a note there, adultery, you can make a note of this, adultery is used in the Old Testament as to describe the children of Israel's unfaithfulness to God. Um, they were often referred to being in that relationship, that adulterous relationship, a uh, relationship that was not appropriate according to God's commands. And we still use that same word today uh, when two people uh, are together not in, a, in the right way according to biblical scripture when it comes to marriage, divorce, and remarriage. We say they're living in a, an adulterous relationship. Uh, so, you know, those things, uh, again, he's using here uh, in those situations. Uh, I'll tell you one thing about this story. I had a lady tell me one time, she heard a preacher preach on this and, and um, told her that uh, the, Lord had, the preacher had preached that the Lord had forgiven her and this lady was in an adulterous uh, marriage and uh, she and I had had several conversations about her position where she was at in her marriage and she said, ah, I'll tell you what, the preacher preached Sunday that, I, that uh, he forgave her. So he can forgive her of adultery. She can, he can forgive me. And I said, well, you got to go on and read the rest of that. <laughs> what did he tell her to do? Yeah. Go and sin no more. That's what he told her. But uh, didn't, didn't get that. Uh, this lady didn't have that, have that lesson for some reason. Uh, so, again, you know, the questions here uh, concerning this situation with the adulterous woman, uh, she's brought to Jesus. 
according to the law of Moses, and, and, and they're using that with our Lord, aren't they? They're, they're trying to use that. But according, according to that, you know, the question needs to be asked, how... Y'all hear somebody talking? Oh, I thought I was—I thought it was coming across the speakers or something. Oh, man, that had scared me. I thought something. Whew. Oh, what's? Oh, okay. Well, I was like, I heard it first time, and I was like, wait a minute, did somebody say something over here? Then I heard it again. I was like, no, that wasn't somebody else. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. They say that's first sign. Oh. Uh, but again, they quoted Moses' law that said such should be stoned. But a lot of questions need to be asked, and you've heard these before, I'm sure. But how did they catch her in that very act of adultery? You know, was she just a loose woman or a woman that was known for that type of activity? How did they do that? How did they know about it? And if she was known, you know, the question can be asked, why hadn't something been done already? Why are they just now? Well, we know why they're just now doing it, aren't they? Because they're trying to trap the Lord. They're trying to trap him. Um, and then also the question can be asked is, when you go look at the law of Moses, it requires what? Both. Both. So the question, yeah, yeah. They just brought one. The law of Moses requires both of them to be stoned. Uh, but they only brought the woman. And uh, why did they bring only one? Why did these brave rulers bring uh, both to be judged? Uh, so they quoted the law of Moses um, that she should be stoned. And again, and it said both of them should be. They reminded our Lord before the crowd of what Moses has said, uh, the fact that they had uh, only had the woman... Uh, only had the woman show Jesus their, their true intent. Uh, you know, they were strict teachers. You've got to understand, the scribes and the Pharisees were strict teachers of the law. Uh, but you can go to Matthew 23 and see they were poor practicers of the law. They, they uh, were filthy. We, there's a lot of references are made in the, in the Bible in, in different scripture. Uh, on the inside, the outside was beautiful and, and whatever, but the inside was corrupt and, and this, that, and other. So they were real good things of knowing the law, but they didn't practice it. Uh, the, the statement probably practice what you preach, we could say. Uh, and these people and these, these rulers at this time, uh, they had lost their, their sight, if you, could, if you will, uh, to... Uh, the right, I guess, that they had to put anyone to death because you had to understand uh, the Roman Empire had taken that away from them and they had lost that right and so their reason for bringing the woman was not to uphold the law. If that had been their true intent, uh, they would have had the man also. So there's a lot of holes in this little trap. Uh, they were self-righteous. Um, and uh, so again, they wanted to embarrass our Lord um, for what, you know, whatever expense they could. They wanted to ensnare him, uh, turn the people against him. Uh, they weren't really interested in his decision, uh, you know, as such. They were, they were showing um, their self-righteous, their hard-heartedness. 
if you will, uh, toward the Lord. So with all that said about adultery and, and, and fornication, I, I want us to, to spend just a little bit of time right here in the book of 1 Corinthians um, chapter 6 and verses 18 through uh, 20. And I want us to think about this as we read this. What is our Lord's attitude toward adultery and fornication? Now, you read uh, 1 Corinthians 6 and verses 18 through uh, 20, and he says there, Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So, what's, our, what's the Bible's and our Lord's thought against that? It's a sin what? Against the body. Um, you know, Paul writes that. It undermines the sanctity, sanctity of the home um, as far as adultery and fornication. Uh, it's the only sin that will allow one to divorce and remarry. Um, you know, Matthew 19, 89. Uh, that's the only, and that's our Lord's, you know, thoughts on that. Uh, you can go and read Matthew 19, 89. Those who continue in such cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Galatians 5, 19 through 21. So, you know, there's a lot... There may be trying to trap Jesus, but there's a lot for us to be reminded of here, you know, about, you know, our marriages and uh, marriages, uh, you know, you, you, talk, you take the topic of divorce, and that's something that affects just about what? Every family. Every family's just about got it in their, in their family, don't they? Um. And, and that's why we struggle, I think, a lot of times as ministers and, and, and things across the brotherhood to actually preach on that and to stand where the Bible stands on that. Uh, so, because I want to tell you, our, our, our society is, is running rapid with it. You know, you very, what's this phrase we hear now? Someone's married 20 years or 25 or 30 says, man, you don't hear that, what? You don't hear that much. People stand together that long. Um, so our, our society and, and our children, you know, why do, we, why do we say what we do to our children up here on Sunday afternoons? What's, what's God's idea of marriage? One man, one woman. What do they say? For life. And that's what we've got to instill into our children. And and they and, and, and we've got we, we got to hope and pray that that's the type of person that they marry, that they you know they find that they want to date and, and, and have you know a, a Christian home with. Uh, the only way we're going to turn this in our society is to start at that age teaching them that, and number one showing them that in our homes, showing them that in our in our homes you know between mom and dad. Um, you know, again, it goes back to that, that conscience, you know, is it right or wrong? You know, 
You know, we we got to teach them at a young age that those things are wrong, that we have to abide by what the Bible says. Um, so, uh, again, we, we see his attitude towards that. Um, and, again, those who continue in fornication and adultery uh, cannot inherit the kingdom of God, Galatians 5. Uh, so that's a very serious thing, isn't it? Uh, it's something that we we need not to take lightly. When I, anytime I've had to deal with that with people, I, I have told them, I said, you, you need to do everything you can to keep this together, especially if they don't have a right to remarry, unless you want to live single the rest of your life. Now, what does society say about that part? What do people say? Do they like it? No. What do they say? That's not fair. That's not fair. You're telling me God wants me to spend the rest of my life by myself? Uh, So, you know, the teaching on it, uh, again, we have to we have to read the scripture and rightly divide it and and not be not be to the fact well I'm going to do what I want to do God you know that's the thing people want to you know they want to open it up and say well God God wants me to be happy well yeah God wants you to be happy but God first wants you to go to heaven <laughs> and if we're involved in those things and we continue to be involved in those things it says we will not inherit the kingdom of God. And we have to be very, very, very careful with that. And it just breaks my heart when I see anybody who is facing that because I know what's, what's, what they're facing. There's a lot of questions that have to be answered um, and to make sure things are right. Um, so again, our Lord, we're going to find that our Lord, he's going to stoop down and, and ride on the ground. Uh, he actually is acting like he's ignoring them. Uh, and but he's knowing their their purposes. Uh, they hated him. Uh, they wanted to ensnare him again. Uh, they want grounds for accusing him to destroy his influence with the people. Uh, and I want I want to I'm going to lay out the trap here. Now we talked about the trap. They wanted to trap him and ensnare him, embarrass him in front of the people, uh, discredit him. Now the trap was, if our Lord said stone her. They could have stoned her and blamed the whole affair on our Lord before the Roman governor, the Roman government. Uh, because remember, they had been taken away from them. Uh, but if he said, don't stone her, they could accuse him of ignoring the law of Moses. So they, they actually thought that they what? Thought they had him. They thought they had him. He said, there's no way he can get out of this. We've got him. We've got him with the Roman government if it goes this way. We've got him with the law of Moses if it goes this way. Uh, that's the type of people these people were. Uh, you know, we have people like that today, don't we? <laughs> Even our society. Uh, they want to entrap you, don't they? They want to set you up. Especially Christians. They like to set Christians up. Uh, so, again, they thought they had him. Now, you notice in, in chapter 8 there in verses 7 through 8, notice our Lord's answer. 
They continued pressing him for an answer. They wanted an answer. What do you say? What do you think? What are you going to do? And they insisted. But he allowed them to go on uh, as though he didn't hear them. But in reality, he was showing in his silence, he was showing his displeasure of their proceedings. He was letting them know he knew what they were up to. Uh, he, gave, he even gave them time to back off. He gave them time to, to say, oh, we better think, rethink this and, and go back. And, but, but they didn't. But then he said, what did he say right there? He that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. Our Lord's statement gave recognition to what the law taught. You can go back and reference Deuteronomy chapter 17 and verses 6 and 7 concerning that um, as far as those without sin. But the witnesses of the sin were to cast the first stone. So basically he was saying, if you're a witness, you start the stoning. Uh, but first, you need to make sure you're not guilty of the same sin or similar sins. And he knew their hearts. He knew they needed to face up to, to their own sins. Uh, he called them, if you remember Matthew chapter 16 and verse 4, he called them an adulterous, what? Generation. Generation. He knew what they were about. He knew what they what their intentions were. Um, uh, his answer did not distract. Uh, under point number two, there, Jesus' answer did not distract from the authority of the law, nor did it satisfy the Pharisees. Uh, now they were wanting to put him in a position of a civil judge. Here, they wanted him to make a call. Often what people want we preachers and elders to do. They want us to do what? People come to you all the time. As a preacher, sometimes even as a Christian, but they want you to do what? Yeah, they want to say, you tell me if I can go to heaven living the way I'm living. You tell me that this or that, and, and, and you tell me. They're wanting man's approval, right? They're wanting my approval, well, they say, well, you know the Bible. Well, often when we tell people what the Bible says, how do they react? They don't like that. Yeah, that ain't what I wanted to hear. I've told you all several, several years ago, I had a man lady come to me and want to know if they could get married. I said, well, tell me about your situation. They said, well, I cheated on my husband. He cheated on his wife. Can we get married? No, you can't. Yeah, you know that's what he told me. He told me I couldn't get married. God wants me to be happy. That's yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Go back to our class. True, true success is what? Living your life and going to heaven. True failure. Living your life and not going to heaven. That's true failure and, and true success. Um, so a, a lot of people, you know, they, they don't, 
I don't know. They, they think that it's just, a, it's just a roll of the dice, you know. I mean, I've had people say to me, I've had people say to me, well, I'll just take my chances on dead judges. Well, that is dangerous, isn't it? I've had them tell me about several different things, you know, drinking and gambling and I don't know what all this. I'll just take my chances on the bad judgment that it was right or wrong. Well, you can read right here and find out whether it's right or wrong or whether it's good for you or whether it's not good for you and the sins that it brings about. Uh, so, uh, again, you know, they, they at this point, notice the effect that it has. He stoops down again in verse uh, chapter 8, verse 9, and wrote on the ground. I don't know what he wrote on the ground. You may... You said speculator. <laughs> Don't make a difference, but I just like to know, you know. I just like to know, what did he write on the ground? Was he just doodling or did he write sin? Or, I don't know. I just think about things like that. I wish I could have known. I may ask him one day <laughs> if I make it there or when I make it there. Uh, but it was silent contempt. Uh, his actions were considered for them as a people and his words and effort to get them to see themselves repent and believe. He, convic he convicted them by their own conscience. That's where the power of a conscience. Now, how well do we do today using that same technique with people? A lot of times, there, there's nothing, there's no better lesson to a person than when they, when they figure out that they're wrong, what? Themselves. When they figure it out, and you says, oh, I was wrong. Oh, I didn't know that was in the Bible. Uh, there, there's, no better, there's no better tool to teach than that. And our Lord is using that right here. He convicted them with their own conscience. You know, how, how many times, it, I think this is a way, a, a good parenting tool, that we convict, if you don't use the word, convict your child, <laughs> convict your children, or bring them to an understanding by their own conscience. That's a good parenting tool. Um, and it's a good tool to teach people as well. I think I see little heads out there. Um, the last part of this, chapter 8, verses 10 and 11, is a conversation that he had with the woman. Um, he showed his wisdom uh, by evading their trap. He showed mercy to the woman. But he told her, the key here is to go and sin no more. A lot of people are taking this out of context and saying, well, he forgave her. But he also told her to go and sin no more. She couldn't go back into that relationship. I mean, adultery is a sin that can be repented of and gotten out of, can it? Yeah. But there has to be a change. Uh, and you can't go back into that. That's where repentance is, right? Uh, and you can see in the conclusion, I made some final notes there for you to think about as well and ponder on. Uh, so again, thank you for your uh, kind attention and comments tonight.